Hey everyone, this is the Smiling Homeschooler Podcast, and my name is Ben Wilson, and I'm one of the hosts of the show. We are excited to have another guest this week, Zan Tyler. She's a homeschooling pioneer and an advocate, and what she has to say is both inspiring and encouraging. We're sure you're going to like it. I also want to thank Teaching Textbooks for sponsoring this week's podcast. They make math fun, and you can check out their website, teachingtextbooks.com. So, let's get going. Here's my dad, Todd Wilson. Okay, well, hey everybody. Uh, we're excited because we've got a special guest with us today, uh, Zan Tyler. But before we introduce her, just a little bit of uh, a heads up. Uh, again, we're getting ready for our fall loop where we hit the road for a couple weeks. Um, we get a little R&R at the end of that, and Ben and Rissa and the whole gang is going to be down in Florida, and we're going to be having a lot of fun. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to be in different spots, uh, um, even uh, down in uh, Knoxville and down in South Carolina and uh, uh, and then in Florida. And if you're in some of those areas, which you can find on our website, not yet, but you will be able to, um, we'd love for you to stop in and say, hey. But like I said, we have a special guest with us today, Zan Tyler. Zan, it is awesome having you. Um, but you know, when I told Ben that we were interviewing Zan Tyler, he wondered if you were a foreign person with <laughs> no, a name like that. I just that. wanted to make sure, you know, because I thought <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Well, there's it a, sounded even, a little racist to me, but oh, I'm okay. Well, there's an even better story about that. When we started in the legislature in South Carolina after I'd been threatened with jail, I, I'm, it must have been pretty fiery fiery letters I was sending out to get people down for our very first public hearing. So we're in South Carolina. There was this fa- this farmer about, oh, he had to have been 6'6 and weighed about 300 pounds. He was two of me. And um, and he looked down at me. He said, wait a minute. Are you Zan Tyler? I said, yes. He said, are you really Zan Tyler? I said, yes. And he said, well, you're not only a girl, you're a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so awesome. is Zan is Zan short for anything? I've never asked you this in all this year and all these years. Um, when I was born, I was supposed to be a junior, and uh, so they didn't have a girl's name picked out for me. So seven days later, they couldn't leave without a name. So the pastor from First Baptist Church came up and said, "I've got all boys, but if I'd had a girl, I was going to name her after my favorite aunt, whose name is Sue Zan. Two words, but she's only ever been called Zan." So huh. my name is that's just fan. That's, that's an awesome story. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, and you know, just you're you're already kind of given away just even by oh, you talking oh, where you oh, live. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe and I got married. We've been married for over forty years. We were five when we got married. <laughs> and, um, we uh, have three kids, and so we started homeschooling. Not because I wanted to, but because I was back in a corner back in the 80s. And it, it was somebody had given me Raymond Moore's book. That's how we all started homeschooling back in the day. And I was so um, moved by the book on homeschooling. And it was like the Lord, the Holy Spirit was just saying to me, I want you to do this. This is a different way to educate. This is what your your sons need. But I couldn't, we didn't know anybody, not one person in the world who homeschooled. I mean, zero. And so I just couldn't come to terms with it. So finally went to the public school. I just wanted to haul my oldest son back a year. He's brilliant, but just wasn't reading, didn't need to be in first grade at that point. So um, so then the school district dropped the ball. They said, you can't haul Ty back a year. We went to the 
school superintendent, he said, yep, that's right. Private schools were filled. So then we had to apply to homeschool. I mean, it was only our only option left. So we homeschooled. The, the school board turned us down. And in the process, we're having to hire an attorney because there is no HSLDA. Um, there's no internet. There's no state organizations. There's nobody to help us. And uh, so we finally found an attorney who had heard the word homeschooling before. And um, he told us we needed to appeal to the state board, but they would just uphold the local school board's decision and not end up in family court, which would have actually been better than what happened. So the state superintendent of education was a friend of my mother's. He had actually supervised or uh, had sat in on her classroom while he was getting his PhD. And I knew him. So I called him up and I said, Dr. Williams, can I come see you? I've got a problem. He said, sure. So I go up there. I explain to him that the school district messed me up. Then they turned me down for homeschooling. And here I am, a loving parent. And I thought he would say, well, Zan, this is really a conundrum and I'm going to help you. And he said, well, you know, I can put you in jail if you continue down this path of homeschooling. And it was not an idle threat. So that we sort of entered um, homeschooling. It was baptism by fire, truly. Mm. Uh, no. So that was, but you know, that was kind of my Patrick Henry moment, you know, give me liberty or give me death because I was ambivalent toward wanting to homeschool just because of the story I just told you. I knew we were, there would be ramifications. I just didn't know how far reaching. And, uh, but it just, the Lord just interceded, and I knew from that point on that it was just really a calling on my life. Unless Ben disappeared. <laughs> I am not hearing Oh, I'm muting myself because uh, <laughs> there was some construction or something going on up in the floor above me. But uh, no, I just said, you said you have three children, and uh, where did all this take place? Is this in South Carolina, did you say? South Carolina, okay. yes. Awesome. In the mid-80s. All right. 80. Well, why don't you continue the rest of the story? Because, uh, you know, this is kind of um, how I first heard about you, met you, because this this is your story. You know, you were most of the moms listening, probably, you know, 98 percent of the moms listening can't even imagine uh, how you entered homeschooling, because, you know, it's just not the same story. Uh, as it is as it is now. So tell us again, and maybe even before you uh, may, maybe uh, go a little further and how they did really, you know, push hard. Um, you, you mentioned earlier, you said something about uh, Dr. Raymond Moore. I mean, a lot of people talk about that, but I'm not sure everybody knows about that book now. Can you tell us what book that was? Yeah, it was Homegrown Kids. And, you know, Dobson sort of put him on the map. He had a radio program with him in uh, Focus on the Family, I think in 80 or 81, which I didn't hear, but had him again in 84 or 85, which I did hear. But um, but his book had become fairly popular. And it was really, at the time, it was homeschooling, but it was also a delay. It was delayed homes, you know, delayed academics. Mm -hmm. And the prevailing wisdom was put your kids in school, maybe when you're in the third or fourth grade. And I thought, boy, if I homeschool through the third or fourth grade, I should, somebody should pin the Congressional Medal of Honor on my chest. <laughs> and uh, my vision was truly not great at the time. I just wanted to do the best thing for my child. Mm -hmm. And so that's, uh, but, but Dr. Moore's book talked a lot about the Smithsonian recipe for genius, which is lots of time with parents, lots of time to pursue your interests, time in service and time to work. 
So mm-hmm. it really was a model that we adopted throughout our homeschooling career because all of my kids were so different. But I do believe that God has gifted each child with unique strengths and, you know, and um, and brilliance. And, and homeschooling is that way to pull it out and cultivate it. So, so tell us about your kids. I mean, what were the, what were some of the strengths or maybe what were some of the hard things too about them? Well, with Ty, my oldest, and now he's in sales, which makes total sense. <laughs> he was just, he was a people loving, extroverted, always moving, desiccating kid from the time he was born, you know, just always moving, always talking. So he's your classic um, auditory kinesthetic learner. And uh, this is, you know, way back when people have to cut me slack. I'll never forget in 86, 85 or 86, reading my first book on learning styles. And the man is saying, you know, if you have an auditory kinesthetic learner, they learn in every method that's not acceptable in a classroom. They learn by talking and they learn by moving. So if you can ever get them out of school, they're the most successful people in life. And so that was... You know, I just knew that Ty in the classroom would not be a good fit because he was always talking and always moving. But then he just had this heart for the gospel and this heart for evangelism. And we we knew he was going to make his money with his, his living with his mouth, either by preaching or by selling. And so he became a salesman, but, you know, really did share the gospel in season and out of season. Mm while he was in medical device sales. He's since changed careers a little bit. And uh, then my second son was really opposite personality. He's an attorney. Um, he grew up, you know, all of my kids grew up at the state house because we were either involved, I mean, we were involved in grassroots movements, cultivating the grassroots homeschooling movement in South Carolina. We had legislative or legal issues in South Carolina from 1984 to 1992. So the first eight years we homeschooled, there was always some sort of crisis. So John grew up with me, and and so did Ty, going to the state house, sitting in courtrooms, watching Mike Ferris, Uh, argue in the state Supreme Court, and it just gave him a love for public policy and a love for the law. So he um, went on to, to law school, and he called me the first week he was in practice, and he said, Mom, okay, some things never change. All anybody ever wants to talk to me about here is homeschooling. <laughs> and, uh, and and then he said, and by the way, I need Mike Ferris's cell phone number because I got to pray with my first client today. Mm-hmm. He had been so impressed as a young man that Mike was always praying with the moms and the clients he had. So it was that upbringing that really push John into the law. I mean, it was all of our problems and, and all the trials the Lord took us through. And, and then the other significant thing is that there were just always television cameras in our living room because there was always a crisis. And my daughter grew up seeing the power of the media. So she went on to college. She was a broadcast journalism major. And so she's now out in LA as a as an executive producer with one of the major networks out there. But she just saw the power of the press, the power of the media in in framing issues. And that gave her, you know, a heart for that. So sometimes, you know, the books we choose are our curriculum, but the interruptions and the trials and sometimes even the tragedies 
that God brings into our lives, that's his curriculum. Mm. And and he taught. I, I can just remember crying myself to sleep over workbook pages that weren't done, um, (laughs) over lessons I'd missed by being at the legislature yet another day or in a courtroom yet another day. And it was all of those um, situations that the Lord used to really make my kids who they are. Mm. Well, let's go back to that 1980. Did you say 1984? Was that the time? Yeah, kind of George Wellian, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, so most of the listeners weren't alive then. Yeah, um, yes. but, hey, wait a minute. They were alive. <laughs> but don't worry, their Just grandparents young. were. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they said, hey, you might get in trouble for doing this. Did it? How, how bad did it get? Well, it was pretty bad. Um, I mean, the state superintendent of education told me he was going to put me in jail. So this was on like a Wednesday or Tuesday. I lose track of the days. But the next week was our hearing at the State Department of Education. Well, Joe and I, we lived like a quarter of a mile from his parents and three miles from my parents. And we had not told them we were homeschooling. Um, why, why would I do that to myself in 1984? I just told Joe, well, at some point they'll realize the kids didn't get on that yellow school bus. (laughs) I'm not going to invite that conflict in my life till I have to. So when the state superintendent of education told me he was going to put me in jail, then I had to go see my parents because my parents were so involved in the community. Dad, as his pro bono work, was the chairman of the board of the Baptist hospital system. Mom had been a public school teacher. They just had their fingers in so many pies. And I knew that the newspaper wasn't going to say, peon homeschool mom, Zan Tyler goes to jail. It would say, John Peter's daughter goes to jail. So I thought, I got to go tell them I go to jail before I go to jail so they don't read about it in the newspaper. (laughs) So I went to see my parents and I said, I had really held it together until then. This is right when I left the state superintendent's office. And I said, Mom and Dad, um, I'm going to homeschool Ty this year. I've had a bit of a problem. The school board turned me down. Mom was a teacher, so he knew that she knew the chairman of that school board. And they turned me down. Um, I've appealed to the State Department of Education. Dad was a lawyer. I said, Dad, here are my briefs. Um, Mom, here is the, quote, educational research, which like was a pamphlet or something. <laughs> and, um, and, and this is for you. And then I said, but Charlie Williams told me he was going to put me in jail um, when after my hearing. And I just burst into a thousand tears. My poor parents, I couldn't tell them. I mean, what did I know about homeschooling? I'd read a book and been threatened with jail. And that's what I knew. <laughs> and, um, and so, but my dad was just mad that I had been treated that way. And to back up a little bit, when I was in high school and college, I was very politically involved. I mean, I guess I've just always been that person who loves politics. I had been governor of Girl State, which is a program you may not have even heard of, but it was fairly significant back you know, in the 70s and 80s. And so it was also the, the, the 1972 Senate election, U.S. Senate election. And so I was not only 17, almost 18, I was female. And so our U.S. Senator, Strom Thurmond, got me to be part of his campaign trip uh, team. So I did television commercials and I traveled the state, you know, fundraisers with him because I was 18 and female. And I was a fan of his. I was a supporter. 
And um, so dad was at a hospital meeting the next day with the senator's wife and said, Zan's in trouble. She's contacted the senator's office, hadn't heard anything. What is he going to do? So uh, she left the meeting, no cell phones, finds a phone, calls the chief of staff up in D.C., says, don't worry about it. He'll overnight a letter for Zan asking the superintendent to approve her program. And then the next day, he called my dad and said, nope, Senator Thurman said he's not going to send a letter. He's going to fly down and meet personally with the state superintendent of education. Right. So Senator Thurman, who was sort of a legend in South Carolina, walks into the superintendent's office and says, um, I would highly urge you to approve her program. So we stayed out of jail. And um, but at that point, I knew, I mean, this is a calling. And I thought, what are moms and dads going to do who don't have that level of connection or a college degree? So that's kind of what propelled us into the whole legal aspect of homeschooling. So mm-hmm. real quick, I'm going to have two question is kind of, you know, that's pretty serious, obviously, being threatened to go to jail. And I never heard you say I didn't consider, you know, like I was going to change my mind or just say, okay, fine, go to school. Why were you willing, you know, for those listening to go to jail over your choice to homeschool your child? You know, what was what was your motivating factor behind that? Well, you know, I wish I could take credit for being wise or brave or great or something. I was not any of those things. But in that moment when Charlie Williams said that to me, I knew that I had a choice. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the defining moments in my life. And it was like the Lord just, I I knew this was God. I had told him, no, I won't homeschool. And he had told me, yes, you will. And so I just never... From that point on, I never questioned that it was God's call on my life. The driving factor for me is just that I just love my kids so much. I mean, it just makes me tear up now thinking about it. And I would have died a thousand deaths for them. And so, you know, jail was. And by the way, let me just say this to moms out there being threatened with jail, being in the legislature. That's not the hardest part of homeschooling. The hardest part of homeschooling, regardless of those externals, is that you feel the weight every day of the welfare and the future of your kids. I don't care how rich you are, how smart you are, how easy the entrance into homeschooling is or how difficult like it was for me. The hardest part is coming to terms with how much you feel like it's on your shoulders. Yeah. Well, how helpful. And talk what you said one day. Every homeschool mom is a pioneer mom because everybody's having to pioneer some circumstances in their lives in order to homeschool. I'm sorry, Ben. I didn't no, mean no, to interrupt you. No, no, no. That's you. awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. How how have homeschool pressures changed then over from those early years? You know, as you've seen a lot of you know changes. I'm sure, obviously. Well, you know, now everybody knows somebody who homeschools, which makes it infinitely easier. And homeschoolers have support groups and state organizations and HSLDA, whatever you need, curriculum companies. We couldn't find anybody to sell us curriculum. I mean, people who will actually sell you textbooks. So in that sense, the, although it may be harder now because there are a good, mm. gazillion choices out there. I had no choices. I just used whatever I could find on the black market. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so um, 
but home, so legally homeschooling is easier. I will tell you this though. I do a workshop called 10 lessons I learned on the way to jail. Freedom isn't free. And if we sit back and do nothing, mm-hmm. we are going to see great repercussions from that already that the anti-vaxxers. And I mean, they're like what? 25,000 um, anti-vaxxers in New York where they just said you, your kids have to be vaccinated to go to school that are going to start homeschooling. We're going to see CPS or Child Protection Services or the vaccine issue. Mm-hmm. There are going to be all kinds of routes that the enemy takes, I think, to threaten our homeschooling rights. And we better understand what it means to fight for our freedom, understand our freedom, and be civically involved. I'm not talking about politics. I'm saying understand your rights as citizen, how the government works. Register to vote. If you don't vote, don't complain about what happens. So that's my soapbox. Now, I will get off my soapbox and turn to the smiling homeschooler. Oh, that's great. I'm going to interrupt for just a minute to thank our sponsor, Teaching Textbooks. Teaching Textbooks is our favorite math curriculum and our family's used it for many, many years and we've loved it. They have a new 3.0 version of the curriculum that is better than ever and you can access it from any device that has a browser, including Windows, Macs, Chromebooks, and even smartphones. Every math problem is explained and demonstrated in an easy to understand way that takes the stress and responsibility away from you. Teaching Textbooks stores your child's grades so you can easily ensure that they're learning and you can check in on their progress. They make math fun, and you can visit their website, teachingtextbooks.com, to check out a free trial, or you can view a sample lesson. Thank you to Teaching Textbooks for all their support and making the Smiling Homeschool podcast possible. Well, Zan, you know, I mean, sometimes I long for those, not for those days where we would almost be thrown in jail. I don't long for those. But it seemed like the focus was so um, singular back then, you know. Um, you know, in, in your from your vantage point, you know, how has that focus changed? You know, whether it's academic versus character, calling, you know, whatever. You know, I want to be real careful here, Todd, because I know sometimes you'll hear older homeschoolers talk about millennial moms or nobody has a vision for homeschooling anymore. Well, I didn't have a vision for homeschooling Mm. when I started. You know, if, if somebody should have been written off, it would have been me. Because my goal was to get my kid ready for first grade in public school. And so the Lord was very gentle and kind with me. I, well, I wouldn't say being threatened with jail was gentle. He, <laughs> he did what he knew he needed to do to me, you know. But it was, um, it, it, the Lord was very patient with me in cultivating a vision for homeschooling. And I think we need to be patient with young moms. I will say this, um, there somebody asked me the other day and it was a young mom, hey, remember the days when parents used to homeschool their kids <laughs> instead of, you know, the, the co-ops with two and three days? That's not a criticism of the co-op. But I think the warning there is regardless of how we homeschool, we have got to focus ourselves on that heart-to-heart relationship with our children and we've got to make sure i mean the power of homeschooling is involved parents i mean it's the power of the gospel that's behind all of it but it's the power of parents being so intricately involved and whatever method we use of homeschooling when we lose that we've lost that golden key i think that unlocks so much of the potential of homeschooling well, what do you tell that mom? You know, because you 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 talk to a lot of moms and you see a lot of stressed out moms. 
what do you what do you tell the mom maybe who's listening right now and you know she's stressed out by all the different learning fads which one am i supposed to pick the academic pressures you know feelings of inadequacy and she's on the verge of saying this is not worth it you know I mean, she's not going to jail um but she's just stressed out okay um I think one thing that we need to realize, let me get my thoughts here because we, in the first of all, first of all, Jesus says, you know, come unto me, ye who are overburdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need to find our rest in the gospel. We need to delight in our children and we need, we want our children to delight in life. And so if we can focus on our, who our kids are, how they're gifted, what their, their weaknesses are, and craft how we school around that, then that alleviates a lot of pressure. Pressure from homeschooling will always be there. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 11 where Paul's saying, you know, he's talking about the how he's been beaten and stoned and in shipwrecks and hungry, cold, danger from robbers and everything else for the gospel. But at the end of that passage, he says, and on top of that, I have the daily concern of my welfare for all the churches. When I read that verse one day, I just wanted to have a praise and worship session because the hard part of homeschooling, like I said, is not all the dangers I faced. It's that what Paul calls the daily pressure of the welfare of all the churches. Well, for me, that's all my kids. And I believe that homeschooling is kingdom work. We have an enemy. We're going to feel that pressure every day. And we've just got to learn to take it to the Lord and know that he is the ultimate superintendent of education. We focus on the child and not a sterile scope and sequence chart. And then we just trust him to work. I mean, sometimes parents get burnt out. Um, I just think it's because it's hard. It's the greatest thing I've ever done, but I would lie. I would be lying if I said it was easy. And, um, but it's the joy of the kids. It's the joy of the Lord. Don't lose your joy, get help where you need it. But, you know, don't listen to the other thousand voices out there. That may not be what you were looking for. No, that was a great answer. That was a great answer. Well, I mean, we could keep you here for hours and hours, I'm sure. Uh, but if any mom listening has maybe questions for you personally or would like to contact you or just see more of what you do, um, what's the best way that for them to do that? Well, they can go to my website, zantyler.com, and there's a place to leave a message there for me. Or the, I've got a speaker and author page on um, Facebook, uh, Zan Tyler, author and speaker, I think is how you find it. Um, and, and they can just, you know, question me, message me there. Awesome. Well, hey, before we let you go, you know, we really have to talk about one more story uh, that you, you probably, you may not, I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, uh, <laughs> this is my favorite Zan Tyler story ever. Um, I mean, going to jail, nothing compared to this one. Uh, but uh, but I didn't realize that you have a your oldest son's name is Tyler. So is it Ty Ty Tyler? Or well, Ty he. Okay, so he's a junior, but you have to remember, we were like close to the Ponderosa days, and Joe didn't want him to be called Little Joe, yeah. so, so he said, 
if you can think of something else to call him besides little Joe, you can name him Junior. So I just said Ty. So he's Ty Tyler. Ty Tyler. Okay, that sounds good. He ran for his freshman class in college and all that president because everybody remembered his name. I would remember it, too. I would remember it, too. Well, tell us about the, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd probably tell the story better, but. Um. <laughs> you tell the story, yes. This is leading up to the fact that the saddest day in my life is when I found out I, I needed to be gluten-free for health reasons. <laughs> well, yes. Okay, so she had to be gluten-free for health reasons. And, and so we're, we're having dinner in New Mexico. Um, at a restaurant with a board of the New Mexican New Mexico homeschoolers, Cape, I think it's called. And uh, Zan was telling us that she had, you know, that she was gluten free and she could, wasn't even supposed to eat any of these things. So I don't know why, but you picked up a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts to take to someone. Yeah, I, I did. I did. And I just made the comment to Todd that if they were hot now, I can eat a dozen at a time. <laughs> but I think you said that you ate like seven of them on the way. <laughs> oh, did I eat them? Oh, okay. I was hoping maybe. Okay. <laughs> no, you said. And I, and I ate like it was a lot. It was like, I thought it was seven. It was, it was eight. But it was seven. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Uh, and I have to tell people who are not gluten free the best way to get those hot nails home at the right temperature is to turn on the seat warmer in your car and put those babies right there to be hot. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tim Hawkins Tim, always Tim Hawkins said that eating a warm Krispy Kreme donut is like eating a baby angel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. That's the truth. I'm just waiting for Krispy Kreme to come out with a gluten-free version. Uh, yeah, it's not going to be as good, though, probably. But hopefully, that would be cool. <laughs> well, Zan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for all you do. And I hope uh, the moms listening will take advantage of your website and your Facebook page and get to know you better. Because, And I'll tell you, uh, what makes me a big Zan Tyler fan and a Joe Tyler fan is that, uh, you know, with all your, where, where, where you've come from, you still, this still, what comes across to me is the heart of relationship. You know, you have successful children. You remember it was not always easy. Um, and that really it was about having your kids home and, uh, th that warms my heart as well. Well, thank you, Todd. We love you and Debbie and just can't wait to see you again. Okay. Well, everybody, uh, we'll see you next week. Um, and until then, you're not going to jail, so you should, <laughs> you should smile. Okay, you should you smile. That's right. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the Smiling Homeschool Podcast. If you'd like to contact Zan or you'd like to hear more from her, you can visit her website over at zantyler.com. Homeschooling can be tough, but it's good and you can do it and you are the best for your kids. We also want to thank Teaching Textbooks for sponsoring the Smiling Homeschool Podcast. They make math fun and you can check out a free trial over at their website, teachingtextbooks.com. Have a wonderful week and as always, keep smiling.